H9, 10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Uh, we're glad you're listening. My name is Dave Palmer, host of the program. Diane Xavier is running our board, and we have returning guests here to talk about a topic that we discussed, I think it was a couple years ago. I think it might have been pre-pandemic, uh, when the gentleman from Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville, say that ten times, uh, came in to talk about uh, a wonderful men's program called That Man Is You. Uh, started in Houston a long time ago, and it's going strong right now. It's a beautiful, beautiful program, and I have in studio with me the core team lead, Bob Para. You also recognize him because he's one of our esteemed sponsors with Para Car Care, two locations in North Texas. Uh, we appreciate him so much. Bob, good to see you. Good to be here, Dave. Thank you for having us. And also the MC of the events, uh, Kyle Krisnick. Did I get that right, Kyle? Perfect. All right. Yes. Uh, welcome, and uh, thanks both of you for coming in. It's good to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so Bob is the core team lead. Um, let's just kind of start with the basics for people who are hearing about that. Man, is you for the first time. What is it? A little bit about the history, the purpose of the program itself. Yeah, Dave, the uh, That Man Is You program began in um, – uh, Houston, Texas, Paradisus Dave, Steve Bowman, and um, about 13 years ago. Okay. And so every year uh, their their focus is making men stronger, uh, faith-led uh, Christian, Catholic Christian men in, in, the Catholic, in their environment, both uh, home, uh, work, and in the community. And so, yeah, they've been around for a long time. We started with the program back in 2019 and brought in uh, Man Fully Alive. Uh, which uh, was wonderful, and our guys experienced uh, what uh, what it means to be authentic freedom uh, as men of God. What truly is freedom, and and how can we best serve Him? In 2020, we brought on the uh, the fight of faith, which was uh, his introduction to the new evangelization, uh, the power of the Rosary, Dave, and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, session that uh, uh, spring of 2020. And spring of 21, we started uh, the Bible and Virgin Mary, kind of diverted off a little bit because the powerful journey we were on with the fight of faith led us to uh, discover a a new program by Scott Hahn uh, from the St. Paul Center with the Bible and the Virgin Mary. This year, we're bringing in a brand new, just rolled off the press, Thy Kingdom Come uh, experience for our men. We'll start here in the fall, go through spring of 2022. And Dave, this this one, Thy Kingdom Come, is truly powerful, and we'll we'll really um, uh, excited to to bring this to the community, and um, it's just going to be a fantastic program. In fact, it begins this coming Tuesday. Uh, 5.30 in the morning. Okay, let that sink in. Oh, yeah. I, I actually am an early riser. I know uh, not all people are. Kyle, you're the MC. Yes. Tell us about uh, kind of the, the the run of show, I guess you could say. How long uh, uh, does it go on on Tuesday mornings? Uh, why so early? You know, what, what exactly is, is the program going to consist of? Video, live talks, oh, yeah. group sessions, or everything. what? Everything. All everything. the above? All the above. You, you hit everything already. But, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, again, thank you for having us. Uh, you know, Bob talks about how amazing this program is, and it, it's no joke. It, it's it's powerful stuff. But wide in the morning, and people go, "Yeah, you're crazy." It's it's how do we how do we do this? But the morning is the best time. I mean, uh, to start your day off right. Uh, you have Sundays always there every Sunday, powered up and ready to go with with your energy from getting it from God and and just being there at mass. But then you know Monday hits you and it just you know kind of may sink you back down to where oh man here we go again but mm-hmm. that's why we come back Tuesday morning and kind of just charge you back up so we like to think that you know 
five thirty in the morning. There aren't many lights on, but that lights on in that parish hall, and it says, "Come on." And yeah we're here for you yeah and that's huge and there's not a whole lot else going on typically at 5 30 oh, you're not no. uh not like the the kids want to play with you or you, you know you're not <laughs> like after dinner and you know that it's, it's a good time where there aren't a lot of conflicts other than sleep right. which you might yeah. but uh but hey it's worth it and bob i remember uh going to a that man is you program years ago maybe around the time it began you said about 13 years ago and it, the west the best way i could describe it is it was a wake-up call as a man just saying, you know what, things are not right, not only in the world, but with me, and something's got to change. Is that, is, is that kind of what it's all about, is transformation of the men so that we can transform the culture, right? That's exactly right, Dave. So we start off at 5.30 in the morning. What's going on at 5.30 in the morning? It's just you. It's your time. It's the, yeah. guy, the guy's time. You, know, you may be working out. You may be prepping for work or meeting, whatever. You discover yourself here at 5.30 in the morning, and it's like the freedom. It's quiet. Nobody's on the road. Uh, you're totally focused on who you are as a man of God and what is your purpose. Mm-hmm. And that man is you, and there's seven steps. Uh, becoming that man is uh, fantastic. And so I believe it, it allows us to, uh, the Holy Spirit to work within us to help us acknowledge who we are. Are we of this world? Are we of him? Mm-hmm. And so uh, for me, it's a, like Kyle said, like a wake-up call. You come around the corner and tinker drive. The lights on the, on the parish are on, and it's like, welcome home. Yeah. It's like, welcome home. We have gone through such a, you know, such a, um, experience this last year. Um, you know, we're experiencing, um, a lot of, a lot of that, um, uh, hurt and pain still in our own lives. We're having to deal with it as men. This gives us a channel to, Allow that to ourselves to relax just a moment, take a breath, uh, be around men that are spiritually led and, and help us to become, you know, what God intended us to be. And that is, you know, a spiritual leader in the world. Yes. Amen. That man is you program. Good Shepherd Catholic Community Parish in Colleyville begins this Tuesday morning, 530, September 14th, runs all the way through December 14th, I think. So it's uh, several months. It'll be through finished before Christmas time comes. Kyle, the uh, the promo video that uh, I think Bob sent over to me is really powerful, and I'm watching it. And you got speakers like uh, uh, Dr. Ralph Martin and Father Leo Paddling Hug and Father Dave Pavanka up at Steubenville. Uh, are these the kind of speakers that the men will be able to, to, to hear from during the course of this program. I'll, I'll record it, of course. They won't be there live, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They, um, they will be recorded. Uh, we have the videos, uh, the sessions. And, yes, a lot of great speakers uh, and definitely some that they all hit home. Uh, that opening video you talked about, it felt like I was watching an action movie. Mm-hmm. Just just pumped you up. And I think uh, going through a few of them already and every single one of them, it just wants to – bust out the doors charging and, and getting ready to, to do what we need to do. And like you said, in, in this world where we've been knocked back a bit by this past year or so, and we're still, we're still climbing back to where we need to be. And, and this is the best way to do it. And just these speakers, there's even one uh, that's basically cooking on site, which that caught me off guard, but yeah. I was, I was that's all in. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was that's amazing. Leo. That yeah. Was really awesome. yeah. Father Leo Paddling Hug. He's a professional cook yeah, as well as, uh, as a great priest. Thy kingdom come. Uh, let's elaborate a little bit on the, the theme. Uh, has a lot of different meanings. Of course, uh, the end of time, you know, God's kingdom manifest in the world today. How does that fit into to, to male leadership and uh, this program, Bob? 
You know, the uh, fall semester day, we're going to, it's uh, 13 weeks, and just the titles are just uh, thought provoking. How to Overcome an Empire, uh, Walk, Witness, uh, and Word, uh, Men We Need to Build the Kingdom, the Kingdom of Comfort. All these, all these programs each week touches on something that will light a spark and will be that little uh, nugget that you're looking forward to get back into the workplace and be the leader that you're called to be. Um, so the, in the very beginning, um, you know, uh, Mark Hatfield talks about, uh, you know, what is that pandemic you're living right now? Uh, is, it, is it the cell phone? Is, are you finding ways attached from the family through your work? or other experiences in life. Uh, you know, uh, uh, when we talked about Father Leo, uh, Father Leo says, you know, Jesus wants us to be so small like a grain of salt that he, he wants us to go looking for him. He's there for us. And then uh, Father Provanca says in the next program, the third program is we can't live. The Christian life is over as we knew it before that pandemic. Now now it's it's our time, it's our calling to live up to his expectations and go out, go out and make leaders among men. And this program on Tuesday mornings at 5.30, there is really nothing in the world going on at 5.30. There's, <laughs> there's men showing up, there's breakfast, there's coffee, there's social time, uh, you have our video time, and then we have our small group sessions, and then we're out the door, mass is available at 7 a.m., uh, and we're ready to take on the world, Dave. And it's all about that renewal, that refreshment, like Kyle said earlier, you know, we leave on Sunday, we're excited, then Monday hits and we're back into the quote-unquote world. And now we get ourselves picked back up on Tuesday morning and we finish out the week strong and we're happier. Uh, we, we feel a sense of belonging. Uh, we feel like we're on a path that, that God is leading us. And that what, that is what that man is you program all about, Dave. All right, Bob Parra, core team leader. Kyle uh, Kristinick is the MC of That Man Is You at Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville begins this Tuesday, September 14th, beginning at 5.30 a.m. with breakfast and welcome. Uh, the theme is Thy Kingdom Come. Kyle, talk about who can come. Do you have to be 18? Do you have to be a member of the parish? Can Is it a good father and son kind of thing? Um, who, uh, who Who is welcome to, to participate in this program? Thank you, Dave. Uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, men and high school grads. Um, we want to have uh, available there. Um, it is open to parishes in the area. Uh, we're not saying you have to be only at Good Shepherd. So mm-hmm. all men, like I said, in uh, high school up. Very good. What kind of testimonies are y'all receiving? I, I went to one of them a while back. I went to one and I just remember the, the questions, the time when it was almost kind of like people can speak into the mic and just kind of give a little bit of, uh, feedback about how they're doing. And I was very touched just that one day about how that was going. So I, you know, I, I think, you know, if they're there at 530 in the morning consistently, they're getting something out of it. Nobody's going to come unless it's something very powerful is happening. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, what are you hearing from the, the participants? I, I, I love how you mentioned the, uh, the the mic to guys. I mean, uh, we're not there to put you on the spot and scare yeah. you or anything, but there's a lot of guys that have never had a chance to just openly talk with their fellow brothers in Christ about what they feel with their faith. Yeah. Uh, again, not trying to you know hammer the, the pandemic, but a lot of us were alone. alone. Yeah. Just had no one to talk to, and you just felt like we're all put on new islands. And that's the best part of this, is just having that community with, with guys talking about things we've all been going through, and how I mean, how did you use God? When, when did you realize, I need God in this moment? Uh, a lot of times it's, it's hard to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But then in a group of it's a safe environment, we're all there for you. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. And just see these guys open up and you hear some things that 
you always feel like, oh, no one's got it as bad as me or oh, mm-hmm. woe is me. But man, we're all there in the same path together. And, you know, by not allowing ourselves to open up and say, hey, I need help and find other guys that have been in that situation and how do they get out of it and, and ask for that help. Yeah. And it's amazing seeing that their eyes light up. Uh, again, we're joking here. You know, wide eyed at five three in the morning. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. They're ready to go. And just hearing people calling us and coming up to us saying, hey, when are we starting? When's yeah. it coming? Is it this week? They're ready. Mm-hmm. And that is awesome. Yeah. Amazing. The truth is we're all walking wounded. And I, I think we men have a tendency to withdraw, kind of, well, I'll go watch another football game or get on YouTube or just kind of be in, you know, kind of close the world out. It's exact opposite thing of what we should be doing. Exactly. You know, we need to reach out for men and uh, ask for help, ask for prayer and um, have, live a sacramental life. And so anything uh, along those lines, Bob, that you wanted to mention or uh, any other aspects of this that might move the needle and make men say, you know what, I think I need to do this. You know, I take a, I'll take a, uh, um, a message right out of the uh, trifold for this uh, semester, Dave. And the objective of that man is you is to set your eyes on the ultimate prize of eternal life with perseverance and precision. Experience a journey into the heart of the kingdom and heart of the Father together with a band of brothers. Embark upon the narrow road to salvation and opposed to the superhighway of perdition. Experience the joy and the feast awaiting within the Father's house. Claim your royal dignity and inheritance. The spring, fall and spring semester is practical, profound, and even prophetic. So I just had to say that, day because really there's so much uh, that goes into this program. We are honored to be able to present it uh, to men in a time that it's hard to say no to. It's not in the evening. It's not on the weekends. Those times are all crowded with family times. But early in the morning, come on out. Uh, strengthen yourself with fellowship and time with the Lord. And um, experience something new, different, exciting. And and um, oh, that's what uh, men are all about, right? It's just uh, new adventures. Yeah. I would say if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your family. I've seen uh, so many comments from women on social media on twitter saying men please take take the ball and run with it please lead us i mean it's like women are crying out for men to be leaders you know that's kind of the opposite of what the culture is telling you the you know the the culture thinks that men should just be you know just shut up and you know get out of the way and but i think um our wives and our children need us to lead exactly. you know and uh, i know you you have young children right yes. Kyle? uh yes and uh i mean i've got a it's a beautiful six four and two year olds uh mm-hmm. two older ones are going to a holy trinity in grapevine and my youngest just started little lambs at good shepherd so we're i mean we're we're roaring we're excited and just uh being able to be that father that you know father and husband in the domestic church mm-hmm. and uh they always say being the priest the priest to yeah. your family and that's a huge thing and this this definitely is something to help uh encourage and give you some good old-fashioned tips on how to do it the right way and uh it's very important this time of day i'm so impressed with the, the that man is you the uh the the program steve ballman and them to continue to churn out new material, new information. Yeah, Bob, you said they've been doing this for 13 years and just the, the speakers, the topics, and it seems like it's very fresh. They're not saying, Hey, let's just roll out something we did 10 years ago and repeat that. This is for this time, right? Uh, they're this very is aware of what's for, going on. It is new, fresh off the press. This is the first time it's been rolled out in any parish across the country, across the world. Yeah. So we're really excited. Uh, they take today's practical, um, experiences of men, the family, and and bring in such wonderful 
um, you know, God uh, led uh, uh, men, uh, professors. Uh, we mentioned uh, uh, Father Pavanka um, and just Steve Bowman and, and Kevin Wells and just a, a long list of uh, uh, presenters that are dynamic and that are current and really are, are present. I love it also. I see the schedule here, and it's over by 6.55, and then Mass is available. Yes. So really, mm-hmm. at 7.30 in the morning, which some people are just kind of rolling out of bed, <laughs> I mean, imagine what you've already done. You've had breakfast, you've had coffee, you've had a full session with a bunch of guys, you've had Mass, and your day is starting. Wow, what a great way that's to start. Best way to start the day, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> that's right. We're down to our last couple of minutes. I want to give you all the last word, and um, also perhaps... Do you know? Tell us. Do men need to register? Is there a cost? Is there anything that men need to do other than just show up? Uh, again, talking to Bob Para and Kyle Chrisnick, uh, the core team leader and MC for That Man Is You, Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville, beginning this Tuesday, five thirty in the Parish Hall. So, uh, Kyle, why don't you go first? Bob will give you the last word. Um, any anything men need to do to to register, or do they just uh, get themselves out of bed and get there at five thirty on Tuesday morning? Is that it? <laughs> that, hey, let's let's you know if that's all it takes. And yeah, let's go start there. Uh, we do have a, a way to register on our website, uh, the Good uh, Good Good Shepherd Catholic Community website. We have our ministry there, and uh, we have a guy that takes care of registration if you want to get your name in now. But just show up, be there, be ready. It's like you said, it's a new adventure and experience that we are just so blessed to give. As much as it gives to others, it's just having that moment to see, like you said, these guys wake wake up, see the world that you know they want it to be and how they can grow it in their own families in our church and it's amazing and no just just be there we want to see you there and just ready for you yeah what is it half the battle is just showing up yeah, is that what that's it is it. That's gscc.org is that the website mm-hmm. uh, that come okay all right uh, Kyle thanks so much uh, or do a, a search for good shepherd catholic community right <laughs> if that's Fair not enough. right all right bob last word I just want to thank uh, Father Michael Higgins and the Good Shepherd staff for allowing us to continue for our third year for uh, Men's Faith faith and Focus uh, and bringing this uh, Thy uh, thy Kingdom Come uh, by uh, That Man Is You to our uh, parish and to uh, the community. So um, just uh, really excited about um, what uh, God has planned for us. Uh, I ask all men, uh, come out and experience uh, the authentic freedom uh, as men of God and build on a deep relationship with the Eucharist and the Word of God, and uh, do what we can, learn what we can to be holy, and as, as Kyle mentioned earlier, as priests of God. Amen. Well, thanks again for both of you coming here. Appreciate it very much. If you want to learn more about That Man Is You in general, go to tmiy.org. And then in particular, this program, go to the Good Shepherd Catholic Community website. I think it's gscc.org, but not .net. Net, okay, all right. <laughs> do calm, do, do not, do net. Uh, okay, d- d- GSCC, uh, dot net, according to Kyle. If he's wrong, boy. Yeah, him. yeah, it's on, it's on <laughs> <laughs> All right, and they hope to see you uh, Tuesday morning beginning at 5.30. We'll be going for uh, a few months all the way through uh, December uh, 14th, uh, thereabouts. Okay, all right, all right. thanks again to Diane Thank Xavier. You. Uh, that woman is her, uh, Diane Xavier. Uh, the, thanks for running the board and uh, producing this program. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.
Hi, this is Dave here at the station, and guess what? It is time for the Fall Shurathon. That's right, it begins on Tuesday, September 14th at 7 a.m. and runs through Friday, September 17th at 7 p.m. The theme is The Measure of Love, and I am praying that we get a big response from all of our wonderful listeners here in North Texas. If you are blessed by this station and want to ensure it remains funded, please call during the Fall Shurathon with a pledge of financial support. Thank you for all you do to help keep Catholic Radio on the air here in North Texas. Would you like to learn how you can strengthen your marriage? Sacred Heart Books and Gifts in Dallas is hosting a book signing with Christian counselor and author Dana Nygaard, author of 365 Dates to Renew Your Christian Marriage. The book signing takes place on Thursday, September 16th from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the store located on 7615 Campbell Road, Suite 112 in Dallas. For more information, call 972-250-2100 or visit sacredheartdallas.com. Thanks for joining me here for the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer. Diane is running the board and interesting topic uh, for this, something that we don't typically talk about on this program. And that's kind of current news, things that uh, you likely have heard about during the week. I have an expert in here uh, in studio, returning guest, Frank Valenzuela, is an attorney who uh, practices law with the firm of Fanning, Harper, Martinson, Brandt, and Cutchin. Uh, PCs, and he also uh, practices uh, constitutional law, and that's kind of his expertise. He's been on the air with me many times. Whenever the Supreme Court uh, pops into the news, which is often these days. So, Frank, thanks for being here. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Dave. Been a while. Um, this kind of came about because of all the hoopla and news surrounding the Texas heartbeat law. This is something that uh, is not confined to Texas. Everybody's talking about it, I think, even worldwide. This is big news. And so just um, uh, first of all, you, you know, it's been a gosh, at least a week or two since the heartbeat law has passed. Just your overall thoughts on that, the constitutionality of it, maybe surprised at what the Supreme Court did or didn't do, or just kind of uh, uh, open comments about that. Sure. Well, the, uh, the, ta- the, the last legislative session, the Texas legislature passed the uh, Texas Heartbeat Act, which is commonly known as SB8, Senate Bill 8. And as many laws in the state of Texas, it didn't have what's referred to as immediate effect. It didn't, it didn't become effective the moment it was passed. It became effective on September 1st. So prior to its coming into effect on September 1, um, um, abortion providers filed suit uh, to try to enjoin, to try to stop it from coming into operation on September 1st. And what happened is is the um, they sued various governmental entities in the state of Texas. Uh, they sued a state district judge and a state district clerk, uh, a clerk of the court who would normally receive lawsuits as well as an individual citizen of Texas. And they sued all of them to try to, to have the act not go into effect. The, uh, the government, the defendants, filed a motion to dismiss based on sovereign immunity and said, hey, um, you can't bring this kind of lawsuit against us. Mm-hmm. It was denied. Well, then the abortion prov- – it was denied and then they appealed. The state – the defendants appealed up to the Fifth Circuit. The short of it is was that the Fifth Circuit said we're considering the appeal – and so we're going to stop all activity before the district court. Mm-hmm. And because that happened, there was no injunction in place, and therefore the act could go into operation. In order to avoid that result, which uh, the abortion providers clearly did, did, don't want, they filed an emergency application with the Supreme Court to have the Supreme Court impose a stay. Mm-hmm. In other words, a, an injunction just until 
the district court can decide, you know. Yeah, just tap the brakes. To tap right? the brakes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and, and the, the practical result of what they were asking for is September 1 would come. The act would not go into operation until the courts can figure out what was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Supreme Court did not impose a stay. And the reason it didn't impose a stay is because, well, there, there were a number of reasons. The, 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 a 5-4 majority of the court found, yes, the, the abortion providers are raising important issues, significant issues of constitutional law under current precedent as it stands. Under Roe and Casey, the abortion providers are, are clearly raising significant questions. However, they didn't show that they're, they are entitled to injunctive relief. Mm-hmm. Injunctive relief to, to stop everything. That's what's referred to in the law as extraordinary relief. You have to ha- meet a very high bar to to um, to get that kind of relief. And some of the things that the court said was not clear that they would they would um, that they could show is that if the court imposed an injunction against these defendants against these particular governmental entities and the individual that it would actually stop the law from going into effect. In other words, the law could still go into effect even if the court gave. Um, an injunction against these particular individuals. Mm-hmm. So is this more about states' rights or the actual issue at hand? The, the, what the court, what the Supreme Court did on very, very late on September 1st is about the issues at hand and the procedural posture, what, the procedure of the posture of where the case is. So this case, the way that the Heartbeat Act is constructed is very, very unique and quite literally unprecedented. And that was what the court said. It's un- un- unprecedented. Most acts that are designed to address the abortion question are in, uh, are enforced by the government, either by, uh, you know, some governmental actor. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when there's a lawsuit, the, the abortion providers usually seek an injunction and the court says, you, for example, you, Texas Attorney General, shall not enforce this law. Yeah. Well, that injunction against the governmental actor who's in charge of enforcing the law is effective. In other words, the law cannot go into effect because the person who's supposed to enforce it is being prohibited from enforcing it. The Texas Heartbeat Act is completely different. The Heartbeat Act expressly says that no governmental actor can can enforce the act. So who do you put, who do you impose an injunction on? Mm hmm. And that's the argument because the under the act, individual residents of the state of Texas, citizens of the state of Texas are the ones who enforce the act. Mm. So one of the uh, – one of the, uh, the other things that the Supreme Court said is typically injunctions are against people, against the attorney general, against you, Dave, against, against entities. Here they were essentially asking for an injunction against – a law against the act yeah. and that type of injunction is not generally done. So there, because of the way the act was constructed, specifically designed to avoid injunctions by courts, the court said, we can't impose an injunction here. So is this the kind of thing that you attorneys say, wow, boy, that was pretty clever. I mean, somebody thought of something to get around it. Yes. Uh, and, it, and now other states are saying, hmm, okay, I think maybe we can, we could do this as well because, uh, you found a way that the Supreme Court really can't put its hands on it because uh, for the reasons you just explained, right? Sure. And I, I think everybody left and right would have to admit that it is, it is clever. It is, it is a very creative way of getting around the, the injunction issue. Yeah. That is just a very practical reality of it. Um, and yes, other states are now looking to do the same thing that Texas did. But mm-hmm. I will I will caution you that um, 
pro-life, uh, pro-life folks are very happy at this result because of the, uh, historic practical effect it has in Texas that it uh, currently, as the act stands right now, it is the most restrictive uh, prohibitions on abortion since 1973, since Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, so pro, pro-lifers are very happy about that. But what's good, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You have blue states that are now saying, well, we could use this same kind of setup to attack constitutional rights that we don't like. Yeah. So yeah. if, if you're, if, if you're pro second amendment, for example, your state may pass a law where the subject is, um, firearm restrictions and they set up, they use the same structure. Yeah. Where is the injunction going to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Open up a Pandora's box uh, of, of p- potential problems. It could be, yes. You mentioned before we started recording that, uh, yeah, SB8 in Texas is, that's a big deal, but you're, you've got your eyes on Mississippi, uh, in regard to the bigger picture of people's hope for Roe v. Wade being overturned. Uh, what, what, what is the timeline of Mississippi and what's at stake? Sure. Well, the Mississippi case is, uh, is known as the Dobbs case. Uh, that, case should be the supreme court's already agreed to hear that case this term the the october 2021 uh term the date for the oral argument is not yet set because the responses this response briefs aren't in yet but i would suspect that oral argument will be in october maybe january and uh with a decision expected by june okay Uh, what is at stake what what dobbs uh on behalf of the state of mississippi is asking for is the overturning of Roe v. Wade and, and the Casey decision from the 90s. That is expressly what is at issue. And um, it, Mississippi passed a law that essentially restricts abortion after 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is, it, it is clearly before viability, quote-unquote, which is the line. Um, and so it is uh, under Roe and Casey. It, 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 is, it offends Roe and Casey. Mm-hmm. But what they're asking for is the court to overturn those decisions. So that is what is at stake. Yeah. You mentioned June. It seems like the big, big cases uh, like Oberfell versus Hodges and all that, they always come out at the end of June. <laughs> sure. Like, well, why, why is that? Is there some practical reason for that? Or is it just that they want to finish with a bang? Or why, why do they wait to the very end to release these big cases? Sure. Well, it, in part, it depends on who you ask. There are some folks who will say well, they, they know a lot of the decisions that come out in June are the, are the sensational ones, are going to be the very controversial ones. So there are some, perhaps the more cynical uh, uh, amongst us, that say, well, they just want to issue the decision and then you know, head out of town. Go on vacation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I think there's a practical reality of it. And the practical reality of it is at the end of June is the end of the Supreme Court term as far as their, their day-to-day work, uh, hearing arguments, decisions. Traditionally, it's the end of June. And so, you know. Um, I think we all work toward, toward deadlines, mm-hmm. and that's the deadline. And those cases that are the highest profile cases tend to be the most complicated ones. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of back and forth among ju- the justices. You have a majority opinion. Then you have justices that write maybe concurring opinions and dissents. And it keeps going back and forth internally yeah. because the majority opinion wants to address some of the points of the dissent. And the dissent then wants to address some of what the majority says. And so it's, it's, it's a highly disputed inside the court and it just, those tend to be the ones that get resolved at the last minute. I think because of the practical reality that people are working until the last minute to, 
do the best job they can for their decisions. And this is going to be called the Dobbs case, or yes, it's so Do- Dobbs it's- might uh, enter into the lexicon of famous suits. I mean, cases like Roe v. Wade. This is the one we really need to keep our eyes on. Um, it, it, for, it, for as far as the pro-life, pro-abortion uh, controversy, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, because um, if if the court goes with Dobbs and Mississippi, it could it could reverse Roe and it could reverse Casey. If it doesn't, um, it'll it'll perhaps enshrine those those precedents um, uh, more than they are already uh, enshrined, so to speak. Um, and, and and there are some law professors that are saying it's hard to see um, where the middle ground is in that case. You know, uh, I think there are some people who may be hoping. Well, the court isn't going to give Mississippi everything at once, and it's not going to give the pro-abortion folks all at once. It's going to be some incremental step, mm-hmm. perhaps toward toward allowing states to to regulate abortions more. But um, it's not going to just open the open up the floodgates to state regulation. It's hard to see how the court would stake out a middle position. Yeah, because of the way that the legal question is presented, it's hard to see. It, it, what middle what middle road they can take as a stepping stone for further cases? Mm-hmm. It really does seem very stark. Either return it to the states, which is what was very likely to happen if Roe and Casey are overturned, or um, say no, we're states cannot regulate in this area. Yeah. Any predictions? Um. <laughs> it, it, it's always a dangerous business doing making uh, <laughs> d- decisions uh, about this. Um, I think that um, if the if the ju- if the five justices who who say that they are for following the text of the Constitution and the tradition and the history, um, I, I think that Mississippi. I, I think it may be looking good for Mississippi for yeah. Dobbs, and that's even without Roberts, right? And, and yes, and, and Roberts. Roberts, to be clear, is generally in favor of allowing more state regulation in the abortion area. Yeah. Um, again, the decision on the SBA question that that occurred on September one was not on the merits, and the the majority said it wasn't on the merits, and Roberts, in in a, in a dissenting opinion, said the majority. Was very clear. They weren't deciding the merits of the question. This is purely a procedural thing. Under the procedures as it exists right now, we can't stay the case. But we we are making no um, indication as to what we think about the substantive law. Mm-hmm. If you're seeing more and more across the country where individual states are doing things very differently, like for example, uh, with the vaccination, um, you know, passports or mandates, uh, you know, blue states are very much more restrictive than say Texas or Florida or, you know, the, the deep South. Do you see more of a, a trend towards this? Like if Roe v. Wade was overturned, well, then it just goes back to the states, right? And so right. if you want an abortion, go to California, but they're not in Texas. They're not in Oklahoma. I mean, I don't want abortions anywhere, but that seems to make more sense. And so it's not like abortion is gone if you're a pro-abortion person, right? That's right. It just, it, it, it gets back to the states. That's right. So, so prior to the Roe decision, Roe, Roe overturned the law in all 50 states. Yeah. Even the states like that, that California, New York that had more liberal abortion laws, Roe still had an effect on them. So before Roe, this was an absolute, it absolutely was a state's rights issue. And some states had more restrictions. Some states had less restrictions. And, 
if a woman wanted to get an abortion and she lived in Texas, for example, or another state that did not permit for abortions, uh, she would travel to California or to New York or to some other state. Um, and the idea is this is a this is a health regulation. This is a health and safety regulation. Uh, the states have traditionally since since the beginning, uh, it's it's baked into the constitutional system that regulations as far as health, safety, and morals are considered what are known as, what are known as police powers. Mm-hmm. Those belong to the states. That's why they have police departments. That's why they have you know health codes and what that th- those are states' rights issues. So before Roe, this was just a regulation of 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 a state's issue of 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 uh, something that belonged to the states. What Roe did was make it uh, enshrine it into the Constitution, but in doing so, it federalized the issue in a way that it had never been done before. So if Dobbs goes Mississippi's way, I think what is likely what that is likely to mean is the courts to say the court might say this goes back to the states. the The Constitution doesn't. Uh, generally prohibit this, um, and so the states. There may be some proviso there, you know, for emergencies or so. I mean, I don't know what the courts is going to say, but it's likely going to have the flavor of this is a states' rights issue. It goes to the states. Let mm. the states deal with it. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll th- throw a question out of out of left field here, uh, somewhat related. Uh, the th- there seems to be some momentum gaining for the the whole Texit movement, you know, secession. Mm. And I could see something like this, uh, where you you're going you're abortion in the states, pretty big issue. Also, things like vaccination passports and all that kind of stuff, where you you see a, a division. Is, is is secession a this is something that ha- obviously has legal, uh, you know, uh, repercussions and things like that. Could you foresee something like this, even from a legal standpoint of, of one state or a, a several states banding together in the next 10, 15 years and saying, we're out? And what would that be from a legal standpoint? Uh, no. <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> no. I, yeah, it's I, like I, civil war all over again, it's right? It's a civil war all over again. Well, I mean, can you do it? I I don't think the states could have done it the first time, but they did. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, you know, did it illegally. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, and 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 uh, there was a little disagreement about that by the folks at the time. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, say, I, yeah. I I I don't I I don't really foresee that um, happening. Okay, so states, even Texas, who used to be independent, its own country basically does not have any kind of additional right to secede as opposed to other states. Is that is that the case? Well, I, and I am not a, I'm not an expert in that, okay. and I have not looked into those issues. Um, I have heard uh, it said that there's something in in the agreement between Texas and the United States when it became a state that there's some right to leave or something. But I, I I'm not I have not looked into the issue, so okay. I, I really can't speak to it in, in, intelligently. Um. Uh, let me ask you to get out your kind of grading card on President Trump's three picks: sure. uh, Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch. Um, well, how do you think they've performed so far? If "perform" is the right word, uh, what's your 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 thoughts on them? Uh, the three of them seem to me uh, to be uh, what was advertised, and uh, by 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 which I mean. All three of them said they were committed to interpreting the Constitution as written and the statutes as written and uh, pass, you know, passed by Congress and signed by the president. Um, that does not always have results that people like. And certainly there can be disagreements between them, even when everyone's talking about the same statutory text or constitutional text. Uh, but I haven't really seen anything out of left field as far as 
um, their method of interpretation that, that leads me to believe, wow, you know, they're, they're not looking at the statute. They're not looking at the Constitution. They, have, they may have certain interpretations of it. Uh, but but I haven't seen anything out of left field. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is next uh, to retire, resign? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, what's uh, you know what are the betting odds in Vegas, or who 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 do you think is next? Of course, somebody could die at any point. Sure, uh, but uh, who who do you think? Any any just natural resignations that you could see down the road? Um, I, I think the the most likely resignation will would be Justice Breyer. Uh, he is. He has been on the court since the 1990s. He was an Obama appointee. He is an Obama appointee, and he has been on the. He's one of the most senior members on the court. He's only, as far as years on the court, he's only second behind Justice Thomas. Mm-hmm. And um, with President Biden being in place, I think if we're going if somebody's going to resign, I think it's going to be Justice Breyer, mm-hmm. because it would allow time for President Biden. To pick his successor, um, there has been an enormous amount of there is an enormous amount of pressure being placed on on Justice Breyer to retire uh, because of the situation of what happened with Justice Ginsburg, um, and then being able to re, uh, be replaced by Justice Barrett. Yes, and the, Trump's three picks all relatively young. Yes, um, I don't know if any of them are even so, uh, sixty five. I'm not sure about Gorsuch, no. but uh, Clarence Thomas, not not a young guy. That's that's kind of the opposite situation. You've got this tried and true conservative justice that, uh, of course, the conservatives. This is the last time they'd want him to 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 step down. Yeah. Yes. And I I don't I don't I don't see that happening. I think that if Justice Thomas's seat became available in the next few years, I would imagine it's because he's passed away. Yes. Um. I, I don't. Uh, he has he has suggested as much. I think in past interviews. That I, while I think he would rather be in Georgia, which is where he's from, yeah. um, I think he sees that he has a duty to the court and to the country to to stay on as long as possible. I, I, I that's my general impression. I don't I don't foresee that. But Justice Breyer, uh, he, you know, maybe perhaps this term where uh, President Biden still has another you know a little bit more time to go. Uh, but uh, if he waits for too much longer. Then you get the situation with the midterm elections next year. Yeah. And if the, if the Democratic Party were to lose its majority in the Senate, then, um, President Biden has a real problem mm-hmm. because yeah. it still has to pass, get, get the, the advice and consent of the Senate. And, you know, it's unclear if that will happen, just like the Merrick Garland situation at the end of the Obama presidency. Yeah. Yeah. That was a mess. If, uh, Frank Valenzuela was on the Supreme Court, who would you model yourself after? Who's your, uh, model Supreme Court justice, dead or alive? Anybody come to mind? Um, I would, I would probably say, generally speaking, um, probably like a Justice Scalia type. Okay. Yeah, good choice. Yeah, I like I like Scalia. God rest his soul. But at the, at the same time, I think a little bit of Justice Kavanaugh as well. Justice Kavanaugh seems to analyze the law based on on how it is written, how he wishes it to be written. But he also recognizes that the law has practical effects. That one side wins, one side loses, and even if with the side that loses, they may very um, they may they may feel very passionate about having lost it and they may truly feel hurt and damaged. And I think he has a sense that those decisions have real world implications for real people, regardless of whether they're left or right. There are people who are going to be truly upset 
and may think that the sky is falling uh, because of the decision. I think he just has a general sense for that, yeah. that, that reality. Got about a minute and a half left before we have to complete. Frank Valenzuela, my guest, uh, practices uh, law with a special interest in uh, work in constitutional law with Fanning, Harper, Martinson, Brandt, and Cutchin PCs uh, in Dallas. Uh, anything else on the docket, uh, abortion or otherwise, that you, you got your eye on? Got about a minute left. Sure. Uh, there is a, a very big case that's going to be heard. I believe it's on November 3rd, and that has to do with the Second Amendment and uh, the right to conceal carry firearms. And um, the court has not had one a Second Amendment case, and a real Second Amendment case to address the merits on for maybe a decade or more. And so this that case could have huge implications. Oh, yeah. Because Texas right now is just like wide open, isn't it? Uh, you don't even have to have a... a uh, concealed handgun license or anything like that. Can anybody just carry if they want to? Uh, n- no, you have to be, uh, you have to, you, c- you have to be able to legally own a firearm in order to be eligible to be able to, to carry. Oh, one. okay. But after that, then yes. once that bar is met, it's, it's, you can, you can carry even openly, right? Yes. And, okay. and so the, the case of court, I think what it's going to focus on is whether states can restrict that. I don't okay. think it's going to say that Texas can't do that. It's just that. You know, some other state can right. regulate it. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, always interesting to talk to you. Thanks so much Thank for coming in. Thank you very in. much, Dave. And Thanks for having uh, me. Again, if uh, we'll con- hopefully have you back sometime, sure. especially as this uh, Supreme Court session and, and season <laughs> heats up as we move into the uh, fall and winter. Uh, again, Frank Valenzuela, Fanning, Harper, Martinson, Brandt, and Cutchin PCs in Dallas. And uh, you can find them uh, fhmbk.com, fhmbk.com. Thanks a lot, Frank. Thanks, Dave. And thanks to Dining Xavier, um, and thanks to you all for listening. Like I said, this has been kind of a interesting, uh, unique topic to talk about on the interview of the week. Um, but if you have topics or anything that touches on our Catholic faith here in North Texas, it's a good topic for this show. I always enjoy uh, a variety of, of, of things that we talk about here. So go ahead and email me with any suggestions. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardo Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Council for Life will celebrate their 20th year anniversary with two featured speakers for its annual Celebrating Life Luncheon on November 17th at the Omni Dallas Hotel. World-renowned neurosurgeon Dr. Ben Carson and multi-award winning Christian music songwriter and artist Matthew West will highlight the luncheon. For more information, including underwriting opportunities and tickets, visit councilforlife.org luncheon. 
Hello, my name is Esther Fernandez, a new sponsor at KATH 19AM and a realtor with JPN Associates. I'm a parishioner at Holy Spirit Parish in Duncanville and a longtime supporter and volunteer with the Guadalupe Radio Network. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? If so, you can reach me at 214-845-1753. That's 214-845-1753. Or by email at estherzfernandez at gmail.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-Z Fernandez at gmail.com. All healthcare professionals and their families in the Diocese of Dallas are invited to the White Mass on Saturday, October 2nd at 5 p.m. The event takes place at the... Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.